0: Hello everyone, you are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and a dynamic Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre and post game live producer. Joe and Taryn, the Flyers are coming off of a survival (laughs) over the Devils, a 4-3 shootout win over New Jersey. They were down 3-1 in the final two minutes of regulation, and then Claude Drew puts his cape on, forces overtime, becomes the third uh, becomes third on the franchise's all-time leading scorer list. Uh, with 850 points, he passes Brian Propp. Uh, nothing happens in overtime, um, and then they went in the shootout. Uh, exciting win for the Flyers. I don't think they should have been down 3-1 to begin with, but that's where they were. Uh, And then we also saw an NHL debut, uh, the the previous game uh, against the Rangers, Jackson Cates, the latest to audition for a roster spot next season. So a lot going on in Flyers land, but it was very cool to see Claude Drew climb climb the ladder of franchise icons. Uh, Taron Hatcher, how cool was that? And how cool was it to see it in the way in which it happened? Um, A comeback win like that where he gets two goals in a span of, I think, like, 22 seconds, if it, if I remember correctly, uh, to do it th- in that way and to kind of save the team. I thought it was very Claude Drew esque of uh, of him. Uh, what did you think of that moment?
1: I thought it I thought it was cool in that it, it was two goals and the second one was meaningful and got the Flyers to earning a point in the game at all. Nonetheless, two points. Um like maybe i'm just a little cynical at this point in the year because of the way the season's gone or whatever but it it's just a shame because if the flyers were in the playoff race and right now they were jockeying for positioning and that happened you're talking about those two points being the difference between being first second third or fourth in the east division versus like the difference between getting a point and not getting a point against the Devils team that hasn't won nine games you know that's the part where it's kind of like you take the celebrations you take the positives from these games because they are important they're important for Chuck Fletcher to know what he's dealing with they're important I think to the mental state of these players they are important but uh, it's another one of those things where you think about if the year had gone better and those were two points that you know, put the Flyers in third instead of fourth in the standings and get them a better playoff position for a more favorable opponent. You know, something like that. Then it 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 makes such a bigger difference on a grander scale. And some of those um, storylines have kind of dissolved at this point in the year. So. You know, and, and Al pointed out, the nice thing was, was that earlier in that period, you could tell how how tight Claude Drew was gripping his stick and how bad he wanted it based on that other shot attempt earlier in the third. And so it was nice to see him regain his composure. And I thought something that was interesting for me was we were talking about those last two minutes when he pulled the, the goalie. It's been the veterans out there for the Flyers and they've oftentimes made something happen. And it does show you the difference between like that young devils team and this experienced flyers team. When people talk about the captain or Jake or this person or that person or whatever, it's like at the end of the day, though, when time is ticking down, those guys still know how to capitalize and a young team like the devils doesn't really have the developed talent yet to counter it. And that is, that is worth something that does have currency in the NHL. Um, and so when I debate with people about, you know, Claude or Jake or whatever, that those final two minutes are exactly what you turn to. So that was nice to see. But yeah, it is unbelievable. You look at the list and it's it's just Bobby and Bill ahead of them now, right? It's Bobby, Bill, Bobby Clark and Bill Barber. And that's yeah. it. So, yeah. uh, you know, Claude has broken into the Beast Club to pass Brian Propp. And now <laughs> he's just got Bill and Bobby left. So it's very interesting. It was... Um, a fun note and also just one more thing. Uh, we talked about it a lot on last night's post game, but with the way that game went, because I think people talk about G is the hero in that game. And I understand why Brian Elliott was absolutely the hero in that game. And I was really happy, even though you don't want to have to see him do even more work than he already did, that the shootout ended on, on his save rather than someone else's shot because it felt like he deserved that um that celebration you know in his honor at the end of the game my two cents
0: yeah he's a pro's pro he and he's one guy that um you can say has battled every single time he's been out there he comes prepared he gives them their best you know his best chance uh more often than not um so so stick taps to him for sure and I'm with you Taryn. I I think you could even see some of the celebrations after the goals and after the win uh in the handshake line. Like it was rather subdued and kind of reserved because I think the team knew they shouldn't have been in that position against the Devils to begin with. And that's what's getting frustrating is games you go in where you're like this is a game they should they should control. This is a the game they should win. Like for once there should be no doubt in how this game should should unfold. And for some reason, yep. They're, you know, they're losing three, one to the devils, the team that now has lost 10 straight games uh, they're one 11 and three in their last 15 and they're, and they're th- New Jersey played the night before in Pittsburgh. So they had to travel as well. While the flyers obviously had a day off on Saturday did not um, did not have to travel. They did not play the day prior and the devils look like the better team for a good chunk of that game. And they had the Flyers literally in desperation mode where they have to pull their goalie twice to score those two goals, to tie it up to force overtime. Like, that's frustrating. So it was weird. I, I even wrote down notes of Claude Giroux Claude being two points away. I had some notes written down on that and kind of prepared for if it did happen. And to be quite frank, I totally forgot about it. Uh, when the goals happened, obviously, I'm, I'm kind of rushing anyway to begin with at the end of the game. And obviously, everyone, you, got, you both know it. Chaotic at the the end of the game, especially when a comeback like that happens. But I totally forgot about it because I think the overall theme of that game and night up until those two goals was they're going to lose to the Devils. And it's just another loss in this type of season that you you scratch your head and you shake your head. So if it wasn't for Claude Drew becoming third on the franchise's all-time scoring list, um, I think that win would have been even more subdued in celebration uh, because it really, I think, would have been, we, we keep doing this. We can't keep doing this. Why do the Flyers do this to their fans? Why do they do this to uh, their coaching staff, to management, where they're falling down 3-1 to the Devils and needing to a desperation win like that? Like that, It just shouldn't be happening, Joe. Is that something you kind of felt overall, too?
2: Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I would say, though, is I, I don't know at this point, that how sure we are that they're that much better than the Devils, sure. and just because um, we've seen this team get outplayed by the Buffalo Sabers uh, a number of times this season, uh, the Devil they've they've struggled in games against the Devils already this season. Um, you know they've sacrificed leads, they've they've done the things that teams that struggle do, and they've done them at least semi-regularly through much of this season. Um, So uh, the other factor is, too, and I I understand they had lost nine in a row. They hadn't held a lead after the first period in any of those nine games that they had lost in a row. But the Devils have a, 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 a group of young players that are trying to prove themselves. Um, so the, the, their team is a different makeup than the Flyers right now. And I don't know that that team is necessarily at the level of disappointment with how their season has gone that the Flyers are. Um, because there were major expectations for this Flyers team. Uh-huh. I don't think anybody expected the Devils to be a playoff team. Um, and, you know, you have guys like uh, obviously Jack Hughes who's still you know trying to prove, not not necessarily that he has to prove himself after being a number 1 overall pick but he's trying to show that he's going to be the leader of this team uh Nico Hischier is finally healthy for them and you know he he was named captain this year so he you know he wants to show that he can he can captain an nhl team um you just have a very young core and it's a core who a lot of these guys have had success against the Flyers. So maybe they lick their chops a little bit to play against this Flyers team. I mean, we mentioned it on pregame last night. And then during the game, um, Yegor Sharangovich has had a great season in games against the Flyers. Uh, Michael McLeod last night scores his third goal of his eight on the season, three-year against the Flyers. So maybe these teams get up a little bit and they, and they, you know, these some of these guys know that they've, has success against this team. Um, So I think it's, you know, different approach to these games, but again, at the end of the game, as Taryn mentioned, you see the, the experience versus the youth and what happens at the end of that game. So, but I I just, I don't know that I I reacted in a way that um, immediately was to say that they shouldn't have been in this position because you know there were good chunks of that game where the devils were out playing them. Yeah. So, um, you know, that that was my thought on it. I, I don't I don't view this team as so much better than anybody really that they played this year because they haven't played that way against anyone except for short stretches of the season.
0: No, it's very fair. and Maybe maybe I'm thinking too much of the Flyers at this point. Uh and maybe that's why I'm, you know, I get frustrated sometimes watching it because um, I did have higher expectations for the team. Now, I don't think they're a bad, like, I think people are, are going to hate me for this, but I just don't think they're a bad hockey team. I don't think they're a great hockey team. I wouldn't really say they're a good hockey team right now, but I don't think they're bad. Like, And I think there's talent there and there's pieces there. I think there's reasons why we believe that they were going to be a contending team and a playoff team. And when they consistently don't show it, I think that's when I scratch my head and I say, like, I can't believe this, but you know what? We have seen it. So, you know, like, look at their goal differential. Look at where they are in the standings. Um, look at that. Look at their three regulation losses to the Sabres. They have one regulation loss to the Devils. Uh, they all, they've gone now past regulation with New Jersey. So maybe, yeah, maybe we are thinking too much of the Flyers. Um, I think that's very fair to say. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Taryn, one thing that really stood out to me in the game against the Devils on Sunday night was... The inexperience, I think, of the the bot the third pair uh, defensive group of Philip Myers and Samuel Moran. Shane pair, as we know, is going to miss seven to ten days with a minor MCL sprain. So there is a window of opportunity opened on defense. Samuel Moran entered the lineup. He was paired with Philip Myers. And as we know, those are two maybe not younger players because Samuel Moran is 25 and Philip Myers is 24 young but obviously not you know kids i would say but still in terms of games of experience and then obviously of what samuel murray has gone through with his 20 acls going from left winger back to defense now uh he only has i think let me check real quick he has 26 games of nhl experience um and some of them obviously are at left winger philip myers 107 games but the pair struggled a little bit long story short uh Moran was on the ice for New Jersey's first two goals. Myers was on the ice for all three of New Jersey's goals. Some of them were breakdowns um, where they really just struggled to get the puck out of their end. They lost puck races, um, coverage breakdowns, stuff like that. Taryn, do you feel like maybe we have overhyped some of the young talent on the roster? Or do you think maybe we expected too much of them too early? I think a lot of people are debating whether these are growing pains for these younger players or maybe – these younger players just aren't where we think they need to be.
1: I don't know the exact answer to that question, to be honest with you, because everything seems like it's gone wrong this year. Like we saw Phil Myers get get good last year, and we saw him play well in the uh, playoffs as well. So he is in fact capable, and it wasn't just like one game or two games. He had the best plus minus on the team last year, I think, or yeah. he was like tied with Strong Couturier for the best plus minus on the team last year. So that's not a fluke, you know, and the concern with, um, Phil Myers last year and it, and it played itself out this year as well. Um, are that his highs are very high and his mistakes are also very large. So, um, and it seems like, I don't know if other teams got got tape on it or got scouting reports on it or whatever but if you can force him into making mistakes his mistakes are often mistakes that lead to goals Um, but that was the concern that I was you know made aware of last season that when it came to Phil Myers if you ever heard you know the coaching staff or his teammates or anything ever be um, cautious and complimenting him it's it was because while his ceiling is high his floor is low and sometimes the bottom seems like it drops out and he struggled on a pairing with sanheim at times the two were um what minus 12 in that game against the rangers they were each a minus six and they were paired with each other
0: I believe so. um
1: he's just had bad game he's had really really bad games this season and last night was one of them and i don't think you can deny that uh sam Moran as well But there were a lot of decisions made, like it seemed like there were times where Phil went, I'm going to make the executive decision to do this on this play. Um, Like on the first play, he kind of jumped up and it left Claude Giroux as the defenseman on a two on one that led to the goal, you know, and you just wonder, was he not aware that it was Claude? Did he not see the other um devil's or there you know you just wonder the other thing that i truly wonder and we won't get the answer to this and i don't have any inside information on it so it's not like i heard something and that's why i'm saying i do wonder um about that rib injury that he sustained earlier in the season because basically the approach with that was it can't get any worse so he's going to play um the other thing i heard about that when i asked around about it is that that rib injury is generally very painful and I don't know if it heals if you don't stop playing. And obviously he didn't stop playing since then, truly. I mean, he's gotten scratch nights here and there. So, you know, I there's just, there's a few things I wonder about, but yeah, it's, it's clear to me that Sam Moran, um, <clears throat> Sam Moran has the, the playing style right now of a guy who's been in and out of the lineup. There's not a lot of solid substance to it. You know, on any given play, he can look good or he can look bad. And Phil Myers just makes some questionable decisions that you sit there and kind of Sam has to be solid if that's going to be the situation. And it makes you, you know, wonder if some of these call-ups wouldn't be worth just evaluating just to see them at this point as well but I get I get it if the coaching staff doesn't want to air out goaltenders right now as well like Brian Elliott shouldn't have had to deal with what he dealt with last night against the devil so mm-hmm. um yeah it's early and I'm on a tangent and I don't remember where this conversation even started Jordan if I'm going to be honest with you because I haven't had a single cup of coffee yet today but that's uh that's that's my soliloquy on it all.
0: <laughs> Karen, I have some coffee here for you. But okay, I'll well, the mold of COVID. that's
1: how I, This is how caffeination works. You can't just say you have coffee and then all of a sudden I have coffee.
2: <laughs> that's why you bring it to the podcast.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I brought I, I brought my lemon water. For those of you wondering, we're doing this podcast. I don't know when it's going out, but we're we're recording it at nine a.m which is not early to some people, but for those of us who do television shows, sometimes until 1130 at night, it's very early for us. I don't know how Joe is up right now.
2: Well, I have three uh, kids that are 11 and under, so getting up early in the morning is just a thing. that a necessary uh, thing that I have to do. And this
1: is why I have uh, no children. Yeah. <laughs> also, because like I'm 28 and unmarried, but you know another another reason yeah sure just the sleep of it all sorry keep going let's talk about the defense no, no, no. Um,
2: I, I would just say on Phil Myers I, I feel like he is um, kind of I don't know if I would say he's proven himself to be but uh, this year I feel like he's a, a, a boomer bust player a lot of times and he'll make a play where you're like, wow, look at his recovery speed on that play or or look at his skating ability or how, he, you know, he, excuse me, he canceled that man out. Then he makes a play like last night, as Karen mentioned, where he jumps up in a play and just leaves, leaves things wide open, um, for the opposition. And, you know, there's kind of a lack of awareness of personnel on the ice and where they are. And, um, you know that's. I think that's what prevents defensemen, young defensemen, from becoming great. Is the uh, the the things that are not necessarily physical. They are uh, that hockey sense and the the the, uh, the 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 awareness of of everyone that's on the ice, the game situation, um, who has the puck on the other team. Those sort of things that are, I don't know if you would call them intangible because, but, you know, they're, 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 they're things that are a lot of times instinct as opposed to, you know, something that involves uh, being physically gifted or, or uh, things like that. And, and I think that's some of the times where we see a guy like Phil struggle. It, it, it's more about the, about those kind of things we know he's a a physically gifted skater we've seen it several times this season we saw it last season um and he gets in good stretches where he plays really well and then he kind of uh but his play seems to resemble the team's play this season a lot of times where stuff just snowballs on him like he he has a breakdown on a play and then he has a breakdown on another play and then everything that goes wrong you look up and you're like, oh, there's number five on the ice, and it's almost it, it 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 goes from this to this very quickly, and I think that's something that Phil will have to work on, and uh, as a young player, and you know we keep referring to him as a young player, and I think Al made a good point the other night on our uh, our pregame show is some of these guys that we keep referring to as young players, the Sandheims the Myers, these guys. Eventually, they're not – they can't be young players anymore. They just they have to be the, the guys in your lineup. And the, the really good and great players in this league, they're not referred to as young players that are still growing for four years or five years. You have to make that leap and just be, become a guy, a, a mainstay in the lineup. And I think Myers and Sanheim to name a couple are guys that are, that have to make that leap and they have to do it soon. And Tyron, as Taryn said, Samuel Moran is playing like a guy who has battled back from injuries He's in and out of the lineup. So I don't know what you can expect from him. When you, when you look at his playing time. Um, and that's probably something that's going to have to be explored in the off season, um exactly what role do they want him to have with this team going forward
0: yeah and it's all about perspective too it really is and we saw like terrence said we we saw philip Myers take really good strides last season but the pressure wasn't as high last season um it really wasn't this year there was expectations he signed a new contract Matt Niskanen was gone, and a lot of people pegged Philip Myers as to be a potential top pair guy with Ivan Provorov. Um, that wasn't just outside um, perception. I think inside the organization, there was a lot of high hopes for Philip Myers to take major strides, to be a guy to step up, take on some of Matt Niskanen's responsibilities, um, and be that much better and bigger for them. He's gone through some injuries. Um, and then I think he's had difficulty with expectations it's just and yes I 100% agree eventually players are not young anymore they need to be NHL players but he didn't get into the NHL until he was a 22 year old rookie Um, he hasn't really played a full season yet he played 50 games last year this year obviously 36 in a shortened year so I still think he's going through things Um, and I don't want to you know forget his upside and forget his potential and also how hard he's worked. He's a, like, for those that don't really know him as well, like, he's a really hardworking kid that cares. He was an undrafted player who turned himself into a player. And, um, or at least a player with great upside and potential and a guy that's now in the NHL and people think very highly of. And I've had people within hockey tell me how excited they are about this kid and why they believe in him. So I'm, I don't want to forget that when I see some struggles uh, because, yeah, his mistakes are glaring at times. And I think right now, He's a, he's a player that's um, fighting himself a little bit. He fights his decision-making. He fights his confidence. And when you're fighting your confidence as a defenseman, um, mistakes become very loud because uh, as a defenseman, you need to be confident in your abilities and decision-making. If you're not, uh, mistakes are magnified. And, like, you look at Justin Braun. Justin Braun, he's very confident in his decisions. Like, he knows exactly what he's going to do every single time he's on the ice, when he's going to close a gap or take away the body of a player um, or make a certain play with his stick. Like he knows exactly what he's doing because he's very confident in his ability. He's been doing it for a long time. Phillip Myers has not, he has not been doing it for a long time. I think he's still learning the nuances of the position to be quite frank. Uh, but all the ability is there. Chuck Fletcher was bullish on his potential. That's a guy that's been in hockey since 1993. Um, and he's a general manager. He knows about players. Uh, our own key Jones told me that he thinks Philip Myers is going to be a star as you guys work with Keith daily. He's very high on Philip Myers. Like these are people within the game that think highly of him. I'm still going to think highly of him as well. Um, I'm going to keep it in perspective. They have a lot of young players uh, right now and you know what they're out of the playoff race. So why not let them go through some learning curves? Uh, I'm all for it. I want to see Philip Myers play. I think he's going to be fine. Give it some time, but going from youth to veterans Brian Elliott, obviously, as we know, probably the most veteran of them all on this team, 36-year-old backup goaltender, very steady guy, very, uh, he's thought out, he's thought out very highly among the Flyers, Uh, the team, the organization loves him, his teammates love him, and he's been very reliable for them, kudos to Brian Elliott, but he is a pending unrestricted free agent once again, the Flyers will have a decision there, so let's get into our cold brew check presented by Duncan. Karen, I will start with you. What do the Flyers do at backup goalie next season? Do they re-sign Brian Elliott? Do they trust a young goaltender? Or do they go out and get a a goalie out in the market? What do you think? I
1: mean, it'll be interesting to see if Brian Elliott would want to re-sign here, to be honest. Fair. Because he's, um, you know, currently he's playing more of a starter role. And these last nine, I mean, now last eight games, uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays that Carter's injured and it's taking longer. And, you know, we haven't heard anybody speak yet today. So we haven't gotten an update yet today that could change by the time this podcast goes out. But, um, you know, at 36 with the injuries that he's got, I think oddly enough, he's probably a guy who prefers a backup role where he's a true backup. And that hasn't been the situation this season. And, I wonder, you know, he knows Carter better than us. Kim Dillabaugh, the goalies coach who Brian works with, knows both of them better than us. And I'm sure there would be some kind of conversation about how next year would go and what it would look like and looking more like 2019, 2020 than the 2021 season. Um, but Brian Elliott, credit to him, is probably the, the lone flyer who showed up with a sense of awareness of his current situation and made sure for at least on a personal level that he took care of business. Like he knew he came into this year on a one-year contract. He's not a selfish guy. So I'm sure he doesn't think of it this way primarily, yeah. but he's showed up to end this season and put out some performances that would make you say, all right, I'm, he's 36 years old. Does he still have it? And like self-awareness is king. I think he's shown, especially actually since his birthday. Yeah, I sure do. And, you know, if the Flyers, I, I think the Flyers should resign him a thousand percent, one thousand percent, because it doesn't cost a ton of money. Is a backup who's played like a starter. I don't think he'll be able to demand a ton more money last year, even for all he's gone through this season because of his age. And that's important in this flat cap era and worse comes to worse. You can always just scratch him and play a younger guy like you can. So, um, you know, I, I, I would like to see Brian Elliott back in Philadelphia. I think this goalie tandem, even though the situation doesn't feel like it's worked out this year for obvious reasons, it's a situation that works very well, um, when Carter Hart's playing well. And I do think Carter Hart will play well again. I think everyone who I've spoken to who knows about goalies will say Carter Hart will play well again. And you just have to have faith in that process. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I think the bigger issue will be to somebody, there's a lot of goaltending needs around the league and not just starters, but backups as well. I think the more interesting thing will be does somebody else poach Brian Elliott, but um, if the Flyers can get him back, I'm sure everybody would welcome him with open arms. He's played. He's played like a starter in a lot of games. And the only time that we really truly saw him struggle was when he played five games in 10 days, but that's not really what they signed him to do. And it's not what they should expect out of him next year. And that's when you're getting what you expect out of a player and and a little bit more, Um, that's more than the Flyers have gotten out of most of their players this season. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that contract once the season is up. But if I'm the GM, I'm putting a contract. in I totally,
2: I I totally agree with that because uh, he's been a stabilizing force and that can't be denied. Um, You know, there's not, I don't think there's a lot of teams in the league that could deal with a situation like has gone on with Carter Hart this year, with their starting goalie, and just say, okay, well, we have a guy that can just step in and play. Um, my guess is this—he's played a lot more than he's expected. He was expecting to play going into this season, but I think you absolutely have to make it. Um, make it known that, that he is wanted back here for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's been, he's been a stabilizing force. um, And he's played really well. Uh, And Tyron mentioned he's only had a couple of blips on the radar. And I think that's, you know, for as much as he's played, you can't ask for any more than that from your quote unquote backup goaltender. Uh, this year. So, uh, and you know, he's done it with a, a a very classy guy um, and always, you know, thinking of the team first. And I really respect Brian Elliott for that. And I think for sure, no question at, no questions asked, bring him back.
0: I like it, Joe. I like it, Taryn. I think both sides indeed will be very interested in running it back. Um, If you remember Chuck Fletcher, when he was speaking after the trade deadline, he mentioned how the team was obviously trading some pending UFAs. They traded Michael Raffle. They traded Eric Gustafson. But he mentioned, he said, we really like Brian Elliott. We value him highly. Um, and I think there was a reason for that. I think part of it was he didn't want to go the rest of the season without a veteran goalie, especially with where Carter Hart was. Um, and if the Flyers finished this season with Carter Hart, obviously not being himself, and then another young goalie in there inexperienced, could have gotten ugly it really could have um and then also i think they are very interested in bringing him back and trading him wouldn't, wouldn't have been the, the best sign to say hey uh, we're going to send you away but we still want you next she- next season i think both sides are very interested in running it back and that's why brian elliott stayed at the trade deadline and uh, i think both are both sides are very comfortable with each other and they realize how impactful he is on carter hart to boot uh i think uh, indeed brian elliott should be back so i think we're all agreement on that but that was the cold brew check presented by duncan this season be sure to grab a cold brew for game time because where there's hockey there's duncan
1: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: And we still have hockey to see the rest of the season. We have eight games left. We know Joe and Taryn will have them on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And we still have plenty to watch, plenty to evaluate, uh, and plenty to talk about. So I look forward to it. Karen Hatcher, thank you so much, as always. Cannot wait to see you on pre- and post-game live. Joe Fordyce, cannot wait to watch your pre- and post-game live programs. Thanks so much to you, as always. Uh, ben, ben Barry, our podcast producer, special thank you to you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.